0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome everybody to another edition of Maction. I'm your host and former Northern Illinois Husky, Mark Scafidi, on a special birthday edition of Maction. Yeah, it's my birthday today, Friday, September 3rd. Uh, I specifically waited till today to recap the games from last night so we could get a better uh, understanding of the first day of mac of the year. So with that said, we have some good from the Mac and we have some not so good from the Mac after day one. Probably a lot of it was to be expected because we were the underdog in a game and we were the heavy favorites in a game. We'll start with Buffalo, Maurice Linquist, The era is upon us. Buffalo got off to a 1-0 start when they played the Wagner Seahawks. This game was over when Kyle Van Treese threw to Giovanni Ruiz. First quarter, 7-0 Buffalo, all over after that. I mean, I watched the game up until a certain point because then I had to switch over to watch part of the Tennessee versus uh, Bowling Green game. And this was, I mean, it was terrible to watch on TV because it, it was such a mismatch. So if you watched the whole thing, congrats, you're a huge diehard Buffalo fan. If you didn't watch the whole thing, you didn't miss anything in the second half because Wagner was just overwhelmed from the very beginning. It was like the big big brother beating up the little brother. It was over right off the bat. Now, a good spot for Buffalo was Kevin Marks was the feature back. He had 13 carries for 72 yards. Um, Ron Cook... He had 14 carries for 94 yards and one touchdown, but don't, I mean, Mike Washington also got a bunch of carries, but uh, he had 65 yards, but don't look into that because everybody got to play because this game was essentially a scrimmage. So right off the bat, Buffalo, it's a great start. Your first game is head coach. You got a W, um, but it's going to get harder next, next Saturday, September 11th. Buffalo is going to have a chance for one of those Mac, statement game wins they're going into lincoln nebraska to get one of those big 10 pirate flag type uh w when the mac wins against a power five power four now really uh they get to to wave the pirate flag for a week um nebraska looked terrible last week against illinois who's a really bad big 10 team so there's a chance for buffalo to go into nebraska next week and come out with a w um look for the bulls if they can play half as good as they played here to either hang with nebraska or beat nebraska next saturday in lincoln now the crowd's going to be huge you know they have a massive sellout streak on the line this week against fordham i think they have 395 consecutive sellouts which they obviously they roughly play eight seven games a year six games a year some years so that you're almost at 400 games yeah that goes back a long way now this week it might end with fordham so there might be a mad push to get some more tickets sold for tomorrow. I don't know. But Buffalo has a legitimate shot next week to get that huge Big Ten win in Nebraska. Um, now, another positive for the Mac, we'll move on to the next game, was another Mac team versus an FCS team, one double A, as a lot of us still call it. Ball State hosting Western Illinois. Ball State got the dub. Leathernecks are not a great FCS team, but they're a good FCS team. I mean, they're, they're not, I don't think they're a playoff team at that level. So this was a, a, this is a much, you know, much harder win than for Buffalo. Obviously you only won by 10. Buffalo was up seven, nothing in the first or uh, ball state. I'm sorry. Ball state up seven, nothing in the first quarter. Uh, Justin Hall had a 49 yard touchdown pass from Drew Pitts. Uh, Western Illinois came back and tied it in the second quarter. Will Jones, third quarter for the Cardinal, 21-yard run. Uh, Again, Western Illinois came back again. Justin Hall, 48-yard pass from Drew Plitt in the third quarter to give Ball State a 21-14 lead. Fourth quarter, uh, Carson Steele had a 37-yard run, which put the Cardinals up by two touchdowns, and then they sealed it with a... Uh, field goal with about 250 laps to go up 31-14. So, I mean, this was a battle until the third quarter. I mean, Ball State had a a rough time of it compared to Buffalo. Um, But it's still a win. This is a better test for Ball State than Buffalo got. Um, But there's nothing wrong with a win either way. Everybody in Ball State's happy, and everybody in Buffalo's happy. So those two are 1-0. And um, let's see if I can give some final stats for Ball State. Um, let's see how many passing yards did they get. They threw for 188, so that's nothing great. Um, Jones had 93 yards and a touchdown. Hall had 137 yards on eight receptions for two touchdowns. So, overall, a solid performance by Ball State. Uh, a win's a win. You don't really care who, who they beat. So, hey, you move on to the next game. You're 1-0. You feel good for a week. Uh, unlike the Bowling Green Falcons, who, well, they, they played a great quarter of football. Let's put it that way. Tennessee, at home, in Neyland Stadium, massive crowd. Not sold out, I don't think because I was watching um, big crowd, though. I mean, the place holds 114,000 or 113,000, so huge crowd. Everything is an SEC game at night. You're like, wow, this is big time. Yeah, It was big time. It was a big time game. Tennessee jumped out to a quick 14-0 lead. You're like, wow, this is going to be a rout. And I was sitting there going, yeah, this is looking ugly already. Um, nothing positive for, for Bowling Green in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, um, Bowling Green did, a, a, I mean, a good job. They scored six points. They had two field goals. Um, cutting the lead. Now, the, the last possession before the half, I think that's where the game was lost. They had a chance to maybe push it towards the end zone. They, they, were, they kicked a the field goal to end the half but I thought they were going to kind of push it to try to get that touchdown. Cause like a, a touchdown when you're down 14, nothing. And you, if you could push that lead instead of getting just to six points uh, with the, with the field goal, if you could just take aim for the end zone a couple times to try to put a little more fear in Tennessee, I think that would have definitely helped them. Um, but they settled for the field goal. And at the time, yeah, you're, you've, if you, you had the momentum in the second quarter, so I get that. But ultimately the the third quarter came and um, Tennessee, never you know, they just rolled in the second half. Um, I guess if you're going to go for a player of the game for um, Bowling Green, it's Nate Needham with the field goals. And I mean, there really wasn't much else on defense. They really had a hard time stopping Tennessee in the, Basically, yeah, the second half was all balls, so it wasn't that unexpected, so I'm not uh, not really shocked by the outcome of this one. This was a tough one. It was going to be a tough one to go in there and win, especially getting off to a bad start in the first quarter, and it's, I don't know, it, it's hard um, to recover when you're down 14 nothing in the SEC. They did a nice job. I mean, Nate Needham hit that 50 yarder, and his two field goals were long. But if you can't score a touchdown, you're not going to win a game against an SEC team. So that's kind of what happened there. So, I mean, not, not totally shocking. Um, but next week, Bowling Green will be at home against a 1A team, South Alabama, the Jaguars. So that's a more realistic chance for them to get that first W. This was going to be hard to go into Tennessee and get one. It didn't happen. And next week, they have a much better shot. Let's, that, basically, that's exactly what it comes down to. Um, South Alabama's, uh, they're in Conference. I think they're in the, the Sunbelt, actually. Um, they're either in the Sunbelt or Conference USA. They're in Mobile, Alabama. They've been around for about eight years. And they're a solid team. I mean, they're not a great team. I, honestly, I think they're in the Sun Belt. That's, I'm pretty sure now because they've gone to the Mobile Alabama Bowl, I'm pretty sure, where they, which is where they play games. Um, today, in a couple hours, Eastern Michigan is on the field against St. Francis of Pennsylvania, another FCS 1AA school. That game is on 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific, ESPN3. So everybody who has ESPN can watch it, whether it's on the app, TV, your phone, tablet. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, I don't expect this one to be a huge uh, huge game. I mean, I expect the Eagles to get this one. It's they're favored by 32 and a half points. So you've gotta gotta go with Eastern Michigan at home in the factory. i um, I definitely not like looking forward to this game because we have the statement games tomorrow. But if you want to watch some games today, there's a whole bunch today too, not just Eastern Michigan. There's a whole bunch all over the networks. I, I think North Carolina is on um, ESPN. Pretty. Uh, I can't remember who they're playing, but I think they're on pretty early too. Um, and tomorrow, the, the full slate of games tomorrow, Western Michigan at Michigan, Michigan's an, 16 and a half point favorite. That game is on ESPN, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern Time in Michigan for all the Michigan fans. It's obviously Eastern Time's on there. Miami Ohio, Miami, Ohio has the biggest game of the day based on who they're playing and who's ranked. Cincinnati, the Bearcats at home, are ranked number eight in the nation. That's right. Cincinnati, also rumored to be going to the new Big 12 along with Houston, Memphis, and BYU. So there could be some MAC trickle-down effects. If those four decide to go to the Big 12, which will not really be the same old Big 12, it'll be more like the American, like an American A, and then Big 12 will be like American B. So there really won't be a Power 5 anymore. It'll be more like the Power 4. But the Big 12, the other eight schools have to find a way to survive, and that would, that would do it for now. But Miami, the Red Hawks have the biggest opportunity for a statement win tomorrow. It's going to be hard against the 8th-ranked Bearcats. The Bearcats are a 22.5 favorite. That game is on ESPN+. Not the easiest thing to watch, but if you don't have ESPN+, you can always stream it off of one of the European sites for free. Um, just Google streaming sports. You will be able to find it that way. Uh, Central Michigan at Missouri tomorrow. SEC Network. Uh, that's a 1 o'clock Pacific time and 4 o'clock Eastern time. Central Michigan going into Columbia, Missouri to take on another SEC team. 14-point underdogs to the Tigers. I'm not going to say it's impossible that Missouri loses this game. I, I think it's really possible. Um, Akron at Auburn. Uh, again, now this one, I give no chance to the Zeps to beat the. Auburn Tigers in Jordan here. Night game, it's 7 o'clock uh, Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. <laughs> SEC Network plus ESPN plus. Auburn, 37-point favorite. So, um, yeah, that one is going to be a tough one. That, that one's going to be hard. Um, Syracuse at Ohio. Syracuse is a one-point favorite. This is a must-win game for Ohio. New, new coaching staff can come out right out of the blocks tomorrow and say, we've arrived, we're here. This is the new regime in Athens. Syracuse coming into a Mac Stadium, you for sure can get that W. I mean, Vegas and the betters think it's an even game. I think it's going to be an even game. Ohio has to win that game to get some respect. For not only themselves, but the Mac. you It's not often you get a winnable game at your home stadium. And tomorrow they have that opportunity. Look for them to take it on CBS Sports Network. Uh, it's a night game in Athens. Uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. Uh, we'll keep going down the list for tomorrow. Norfolk State against Toledo. ESPN 3, 7 o'clock game. That's not going to be much of anything. So the Rock Toledo should easily get that W. Um, I don't know that that one's going to be pretty much kind of like the Wagner game. I think uh, Northern Illinois Georgia Tech tomorrow night ACC Network seven thirty Eastern primetime ACC Bobby Dodd Stadium in Atlanta pretty much going to be close to a full house uh, Georgia Tech nineteen point favorites look for the Huskies to possibly push the the Yellow Jackets in the first half. But it, is, but it is Georgia, it is summer still, Georgia Tech, ACC team. This one probably going to go to Georgia Tech, but don't be surprised if you see a lot of these second-year Husky players coming out and giving it more than they had last year because no one they were all freshmen last year for the most part. They had a whole team of freshmen. They now have a whole team of redshirt freshmen and a couple sophomores. So look for NIU to push them, but I'm still going to go with Georgia Tech because that one is going to be just a... It's a hard place to win for a MAC team. Uh, Kent State's going into Texas A&M. I give uh, the Flashes no chance at all to win this game. Uh, Texas A&M is the real deal. Sixth-ranked team in the nation. The Aggies at home, 29-point favorites. ESPNU, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 Central, 5 Pacific. Uh... If the Aggie or if Kent State can hang with them for, I would say a half. That's great, but this is national championship level team, Texas A&M. I mean, they're in that top eight school in that college football playoff. If Kent State can keep up with them for most of the game, if they make a game of it, you you got to say Kent State's the best team in the MAC because if you're going to hang with the Aggies for that long or even like push them to the, like maybe it's like a 3 point 7 point game in the fourth quarter you have way more talent than everybody thought because if you can keep up with Texas Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M you're going to come away a really really good Mac team maybe a great Mac team if you're if you're playing with that type of top 5 top 8 level talent uh that rounds out the schedule for tomorrow. Um, obviously, the big games against the big-time opponents are tomorrow. Um, look for Ohio to beat Syracuse. And the two top 10 ranked teams, it's going to be hard. But you're going to see what kind of teams the MA- both teams have. The MAC teams and SEC and American Cincinnati. Um, with that... We do have a positive story coming out of the Washington football team. All-MAC player last year from the Buffalo Bulls, Jared Patterson, an undrafted free agent, made the team as a running back returner. So let's give a big congrats to our uh, MAC fellow Mac football alumni for making an NFL roster as an undrafted free agent. Hard thing to do. Very hard thing to do. He found his way into the 53 man. Um, it is an accomplishment to go from undrafted player to uh, making the roster right out of camp as a running back. Now he's probably going to be angled more towards a returner for most for the beginning to see because you know if you're making the roster at the back end of the roster and not the front end, um, you've got to play special teams, and they found a spot for him returning on special teams. He played. Pretty good in the returns that he had. So Coach Ron Rivera saw that and said, "Hey, we can find a spot for this guy. He is, he's a player. So let's give a big congrats to Jared Patterson, um, our Super Bowl champion Ohio Bobcat, uh, Javon Hagan. Right, was released in the final round of cuts by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's currently not on the practice squad for Tampa, but." Uh, There's probably going to be an opportunity, I would imagine, for him to... Because he played... I mean, I was watching the last game against that they played in the preseason. He had a big game. I mean, he had a big game in his final preseason game. So I'm a little shocked that he isn't right now currently with Tampa. Um, But he's probably waiting for a phone call. And I'm assuming he's going to get a phone call from one of the other 31 teams um, that were you know in the market for a playmaker because he he played pretty good in the preseason from the the final game especially I think he had a fumble recovery or a forced fumble so I mean it was a it was a good game um, so I'm a little I'm a little surprised by that and uh, not all the rosters are set so once once the like those I mean I was specifically following those two I mean, Mac Sharping was the guy I forgot last week with the Texans. I mean, he made the team, obviously. Kenny Galladay um, with the New York Giants. Those were guaranteed roster spots. Um, I was looking for – it's not everything is set. Um, When last year I think there were 69 Mac players on opening day rosters, we'll have the final numbers when the uh, opening day rosters for the NFL are uh, set next week. And I can give you everybody on every team. Um, because I want to, you know, we want to promote the guys who are in the, in the league, but the final rosters have not been set. So there's going to be a few more juggling spots here and there as the waiver wire and some guys come and go. But uh, next week, after these um, these games are over on uh, tomorrow, uh, we will give you I don't, I don't want to go through the whole list. I mean, if there's 70 guys, we can just kind of go through it quickly and give you everybody who's on a on an NFL team. So each year it's been about 70 players, 69 players, which is, you know, that's a good a good amount of guys in the NFL. On the active roster. We're not talking about practice squad. Those are active roster guys. I think. And we'll have that next week. We will have the recap of tomorrow's big games. We have a chance to make a max statement tomorrow. Let's hope it happens against the SEC and the American and I will come back next week. With another round of Maction, I'm Mark Scafidi. Enjoy Maction today and enjoy it tomorrow, everybody. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.